There is sometimes a tension with close, isn't there? Uh, we, we have Seinfeld to thank for uh, the up-close talker phrase. And uh, even before we knew that phrase, we knew that sometimes up-close is a, a little bit awkward. Or, or maybe you aren't familiar with Seinfeld, which I don't know why you would want to live your life that way, but that's you. Um, we have other phrases like uh, we talk about personal space. <clears throat> Uh, we talk about uh, someone who invades our, per- he, he tends to invade my personal space, another phrase for up-close talker, or, or uh, she, she tends to get in my personal space. We, we all have a zone, right? We have like a circle, and we, we feel there's an appropriate distance for everybody to be and stand and live their life, and inside of that circle is my personal space, and and we think that everybody should know that. We, we should all agree that there is such a thing as personal space. And some people don't, right? Some people don't. They don't know how to identify personal space. And, and, and some of it depends on how well you know somebody or how long you know somebody. Um, but, but when somebody gets in your personal space, it's just kind of awkward. Like in the clip, have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and you tried to take a step back and they just kept coming towards you and you took a step back and they kept coming toward you and then you were up against the wall and there was nowhere to go and they kept coming towards you? There's, there can be an awkwardness to closeness. Um, I could come down the stage and show you if you want you wanted me to, um, even, even like if I just stare at the same person for a long time, it's strange, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's just awkward. There's, there's something about closeness that can be awkward. Closeness can at times be maddening. It can be infuriating. Uh, for example, uh, tailgating um, isn't that frustrating when somebody is tailgating you? Let's go ahead and admit it. You can point to them if you want. Who are the tailgaters in the crowd? Can you just let us? Yep, yep, we don't like you. Um, Maybe it's just me, but it seems to be more prevalent today than ever. I, I don't, it used to be every once in a while I would get somebody right right on my bumper. It seems like every time I drive now, somebody is bearing down on me. And I don't know if there's just more road rage uh, or if I'm just getting older and driving really slow now. That may be part of it, that I've become the person I didn't want to become. But every time I go out, somebody is right up on me. Some of you have some nice little bumper stickers for those people. I've seen those on your car in the parking lot. Those are very clever. Um, Similar, you've been in the grocery store, in the checkout line, and there's the person whose buggy is right up against you, and you can scooch up, and they're going to scooch up right behind you and clip your heels and bump you in the back. Close can be a little awkward. And... At the same time, there is a need for closeness in our life. We were, we could say, we were created for connection. We were created to be, to be close. 
Um, <clears throat> even the way our homes are now, we, we have garages with remotes, and so we pull in and we close the garage and we get out before we see anybody. Or A lot of the newer subdivisions, I'm not saying good or bad, I'm just saying a lot of the newer subdivisions, they have houses built really close together. Like you can reach out your window and touch the neighbor's house. That's sort of the new design. And yet, that design doesn't necessarily result in closer neighbors. It results in more expensive blinds so the neighbors can't see into your house. But it doesn't necessarily connect you to the person who is next to you. So, so we, we have this tension in our lives of... Needing closeness, being created for closeness, and yet closeness being awkward and tense at times. We talked last week as we, as we wrapped up the Restart series about how in the very beginning in, in Genesis, we were created for relationship. God said to Adam, his first human creation, it's not good for him to be alone. It's not good for him to be by himself. He needs to be connected relationally. And so from the very beginning, there was this plan of relational connection. When you get to Genesis 3, the first result of sin is lack of connection. It's a break in a relationship. In Genesis 3, for the very first time, humans resist closeness. They run from relational connection. Adam had never done that. Eve had never done that. They had always been close to God and then sin happens and for the first time they run away. They hide. They pretend. They try to get away. They, they had never ever tried to create distance in their relationship to God before. Here's the thing about distance. Distance contradicts creation. Distance contradicts the way we were made. Even though closeness is sometimes awkward and sometimes tense, you were created to be close. And running, resisting relationship works against the way we were created. It's the result of sin. It's the result of Genesis 3 and humans First sin, it not only created distance between humans and God, it created distance between humans and other humans. For the first time, humans blamed one another in Genesis 3. For the first time, humans pointed fingers at each other as Adam blames Eve. For the first time, somebody gets thrown under the bus, right? Genesis 3, relational disconnect happens as a result of sin, you're created, we're created for nearness, for closeness and relationship, and sin is what pushes us apart. And from that point, from Genesis 3, you and I have to fight for closeness. We have to be intentional about being close to God. We have to be intentional about drawing close to other people because we have a tendency to move away. We have a tendency to put space between ourselves and other people. And there's all kinds of reasons for that maybe. You know, maybe a lot of the result of the fall and, and, and our sin are reasons why we push away. But ever since that very first moment in Genesis 3, we have had to work for, fight for closeness. In this series... Now, I'm going to talk about 
the need for the significance of being close, and specifically in two areas of our lives that I think we're called to be close. And one is we're called to be close to Jesus, and we're called to be close to people. That's how we were created originally in the garden. God said, you're going to have a relationship with me, and it's not good for you to be alone. You're going to have a relationship with other people. And ever since then, we've had to fight to be close to Jesus. The, the clearest image of God that we could ever see, we have to be cl- fight to be close to Jesus and to be close to people. What I want for myself in 2019, what I want for myself on an ongoing basis is to continually get closer to Jesus and to continually get closer to people. What I want for you in your life is that you're continually getting closer to Jesus. You're continually getting closer to people. What I want for Journey is I want this to be a place that helps people get closer to Jesus, get closer to people. Jesus' appeal to his first followers was a relational appeal. It wasn't come and obey a bunch of rules, although there were rules and and he talked about those. But his appeal to his first followers was a relational appeal. It was very simply, come follow me. Matthew, it's the first book of the New Testament. It's about two-thirds of the way through your Bible. Matthew is one of the stories of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all tell the life of Jesus. And uh, Matthew begins with an extensive genealogy, Ancestry.com, sort of for Jesus. This is all of his family. Then there is Jesus' birth, and then the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus calls his first close followers, and it sounds like this. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed Jesus. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the the boats and their father and followed him. So Jesus' initial appeal was, just come be close to me. Come follow me. Come hang out with me. Come be around me. Come be near me and everything else that you're going to need for your life and everything else that you're going to need to learn or do or become will spill out of you just getting close to Jesus. Seems to be what he's implying. Now, this idea of of a spiritual teacher having people who followed him was not new. This was very common. A a rabbi would have students. He would have friends. He he would have people that he would invite to come and and be a part of his group. He would would ask them to take his yoke. Jesus uses this phrase as well. Take my yoke. You come follow me. You come be around me and you learn from me. This was Jesus' appeal. Come be around me. Come hang out with me. Come follow me. Some people today describe it as being in the dust of the rabbi. There's some debate over whether that was really the statement that was used in the the early 
first century and before. But the idea is true, that you would follow so closely that as he was walking along and kicking up dust, you'd be right there in his, in his shadow, right close to him, so that whatever he said, you heard. Whatever he did, you witnessed. Whatever he taught, you learned. That was Jesus' appeal. Be close to me. Follow me. Learn from me. So, so what did this look like? Well, being close to Jesus means allowing him to impact and influence every day of my life. This was the idea of come follow me. This was his appeal, not come hang out with me for an hour and then go and do whatever you want to do. Or come follow me for a day and then go back and do whatever you want to do. And we just sort of sporadically uh, interact with one another. Jesus' appeal was, no, follow me all the time. Follow me, walk with me all the time, listen to me all the time, not listen to me on Sunday and then go back to your lives, not follow me whenever it's convenient or whenever life slows down. It's interesting that the, the people that Jesus called all had busy lives. They were all in the middle of doing something. They were all in the middle of engaging in their own careers and their own works. He calls four that were fishermen, and, and they were working in that area. He shows up to Matthew as a tax collector. Matthew's at his office desk. He's collecting taxes. And Jesus doesn't say, when, you, when your career slows down, then come follow me. Jesus didn't say, when you get to an easier place in your life, then come follow me. Jesus stepped into the lives of very busy people and said, look, follow me. He, he never said, look, when the kids get a little bit over, older and life's not quite as hectic, when they get out of diapers, then it'll be much easier, so follow me then. But once you get the career going, I know you're busy right now, but once you get through grad school and you, you finally get a couple of years in the career and you pay off your student loans, then come, that wasn't the appeal. When you, may, when you get to retirement, you're going to have so much free time, come follow me at that point. It wasn't his appeal. And sometimes we think that. Sometimes we think, like, I, I'm going to... I'm going to try to grow spiritually, but i got to get here. I've got to finish this. Jesus steps into busy lives and says, right now, I need you to get close to me. Right now, I need you to follow me. I need you to learn from me. I need you to walk with me. Life's never going to not be busy. You follow all those double negatives, right? Life's never going to not be busy. It's always going to be busy. There's always going to be something that's going to pull you away. And Jesus steps into our business, busyness and says, right there, you got to follow me. Every day, you got to walk after me. you got to follow me. In Matthew chapter 8, and the same story is told in Luke chapter 9, there are these people who come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, I want to follow you, but I've got this thing I need to go take care of. There's three of them. They all have different things going on in their lives. Jesus, I'm going to follow you, but i got to go back and take care of this, and then I'll come back. And Jesus basically says, that's not how this works. That's not how this works. Follow me now. Leave other stuff behind if you have to. Follow me now. Become like me now, which means surrendering all of this other stuff to follow him. 
Again, maybe it doesn't mean giving up your career. It doesn't mean walking out on your family. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying that there has to be part of our lives where we go, Jesus is for getting close to Jesus is first, and I'm going to surrender whatever isn't helping me get close to Jesus, which, which may mean that I have to confront some areas in my life that are more me and less Jesus and get them out. I may have to confront some areas in my life that are more the world and less Jesus and get them out. Because as I get closer to Jesus, I'm going to see the things that aren't Jesus in me. It's kind of like marriage. When you get married and you have to live every day with another person, you start seeing things about yourself that you never saw before. Good things and, well, mostly bad things, right? Like you start seeing all the ways that you're really selfish and you really like things the way you like them. You start seeing little things that annoy you that should not annoy you. And it's not them, it's you. You start seeing how easily anger comes up in you when you're getting closer to another person. The closer you get to someone, the more accurately you see yourself sometimes. And that picture is not always pretty. It's the way it is with Jesus. As I'm moving towards Him, as I'm getting closer to Him, as I'm trying to become more like Him, I begin to realize there are things in me that are not like Jesus at all that I need to get rid of. I begin to see that some of my thoughts and my perspective and my worldview is is shaped more by my upbringing than Jesus, and I need to deal with that because I want to get closer to Jesus, or is shaped more by my biases and my prejudices, or my personality, or is shaped more by the political party that I like or the political party that I don't like and is not so much Jesus, and I need to get that out, or is shaped more by the news agency that I like or the news agency that I don't like and not shaped by Jesus, and I need to move that out. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 12. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Don't be conformed by all of this other stuff. Let your mind get shaped by Jesus. And this is part of the process of getting closer to Jesus is I begin to realize a lot of the way I see things is shaped by the world. Paul calls it the world around me. It's shaped by the news that I watch or the people that I listen to or the politics that I subscribe to, or the social media that I'm exposed to, the way I think about things is being conformed by things that aren't Jesus. And I need to bring my thinking under the leadership of Jesus. It's being shaped more by the movies I watch, or the music that I listen to, or the famous people that I like, instead of allowing Jesus to shape how I see the world and interpret the world 
and therefore relate to the world. And it's, it's, not, it's not even just out there, the world. Part of the challenge I, I think that we have is there are people who use the language of the Bible and maybe even verses from the Bible or, or positions that they have in the church to speak things that may not, may not completely line up with who Jesus is. And so we have to peel away layers of our worldview, layers of our perspective, with the only question being, is this what Jesus would think? How I'm tempted to respond in this moment. Is this how Jesus would respond if he were in this moment? What I'm about to say to this person, is this what Jesus would say if he were speaking to this person? The way I feel about this issue, whatever it is, is that, is that the way Jesus would feel about this issue? Which means, being close to Jesus requires some humility. I need enough humility, as I'm drawing close to Jesus, to consider I could be wrong about some things. My thoughts could be shaped by something other than Jesus. And just because I have them, and just because I feel strongly about them, doesn't mean that they don't need to be examined based on the person of Jesus. Right after Paul writes about not conforming to the world, but being transformed in our mind and our thinking, he writes, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Live with an objective humility that says, you could be wrong. You could be thinking in ways that Jesus wouldn't think. Before I say it, before I post it, before I repost it, before I share that meme, just a moment that asks the question, is this what Jesus would say? Is this what Jesus would think? Is this how Jesus would communicate about this issue in response to this conversation? Being close to Jesus in that sense of humility means allowing Him to challenge my thinking. No matter how long I've been going to church, no matter how long I've been a follower of Jesus, no matter how long ago I was baptized, having the humility of, of, of mind to allow Jesus to challenge what I currently think about anything. Jesus did this often. He would use the phrase, he would use uh, the formula, you have heard it said, but I tell you. He used this phrase occasionally. You've heard it said, in other words... Other people have told you, you've been listening to people who are telling you this and it sounds right and it sounds good and it sounds true and you want to believe it. Matter of fact, you want to believe it so much you've started believing it, but that's not what I say. Jesus 
challenged the thinking of the religious leaders, but he challenged the thinking of his own followers. Like, you guys have bought into this because it sounded right and it sounded good. It's just not what Jesus would say. You and I have to have the humility to allow Jesus to challenge our thinking. <clears throat> if you have, um, <clears throat> if you've never had a conversation with someone, and then a few days later thought, "I should have handled that differently. I should have said that differently," then maybe you're not getting closer to Jesus. Maybe you're just getting entrenched in your own thinking. If you if you've never typed out a post that you are getting ready to publish, and right before you did, you erased it because you thought this is not the way Jesus would have addressed this, then maybe you're not moving closer to Jesus. If you haven't typed out a text or an email and taken a breath... And in between typing and hitting send, realized this doesn't communicate the heart of Jesus. I need to delete this. See, Jesus steps in and checks our thinking when we get closer to him. He steps in and he challenges our thing. I'm not suggesting that we should be insecure and unsure about everything. I don't know if this is right or that is right. I don't mean we go through life with these insecurities and being unsure. I'm suggesting we walk through life with a humility that says, I want to think like Jesus thinks. I want to see the world and I want to see people the way Jesus sees people. And I want to interact with people. I want to say things and post things. I want to have conversations the way Jesus would have conversations. And if you never get a check, if you never get a challenge, it's Super Bowl Sunday, right? We, um, we don't talk about it here in Atlanta, but um, we're just glad the saints aren't in it, right? And we don't care that they got cheated. We it kind of makes us happy they got cheated, honestly. We're just glad they're not here. We don't talk about Super Bowl because we're Falcons fans and we're bitter. But there's this series, there's this NFL series <clears throat> called Come On, Man. Anybody seen? It's like they show somebody messing up and the commentators are they're talking about how bad they messed up. And then they say, come on, man. Like, How could you do that? I don't know if Jesus says, come on, man, or not, but I think sometimes we're in the middle. We're about to hit sin. We're about to fire it off. We're about to react, and Jesus is going, come on, man. That's not how I would say that. That's not how I would engage that person. That's not even how I would see that person. You don't don't even see them the way I see them yet, so don't say anything. Come on, man. As we get closer to Jesus, we find that he challenges us in these ways. Not not simply to have kind of a warm, fuzzy moment with Jesus, but that our minds would become like his mind. 
Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians. If you ever read 1 and 2 Corinthians, they're a mess. Like the church at Corinth, there's so much stuff going on. It's PG-13 through most of 1 and 2 Corinthians. And Paul's just trying to get... They have been so influenced by the culture that they live in that Paul's having to kind of pull them out of it. And then in chapter 2, as, as Paul's getting ready to just kind of unload on them, he... He explains to them that, look, we have the Spirit of God in us, which gives us, we would use the word discernment. It helps us see right and wrong and truth and faults and error. It gives us this clarity of thought. And then right in the the last phrase of uh, um, 2 Corinthians, um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is, we have the mind of Christ. What an incredible, we have the mind of Christ. Of Christ. Because we're getting closer to Him. The thoughts, the, the words, the worldview, the perspective of Jesus is available to us. We have the mind of Christ. If we would stop long enough to access it. As we start this series... Here's the thought I want to leave us with. Moving closer to Jesus begins maybe with a pause and not with a pursuit. Moving closer to Jesus begins with a pause and not a pursuit. There are ways to pursue Jesus and there are habits we should have. We should be in His Word. And there's ways for us to pursue Him and we should pursue Him. But maybe what happens first is the humility... To pause and think, am I seeing this the way Jesus would see it? Do I love this person the way Jesus would love them? Is what I'm about to say, does it it carry the words that Jesus would convey? Just pause. Before I speak. Before I react, before I form my opinion about this, that, or the other thing, before I post, before I text, just a pause, do I have the mind of Jesus on this? And if I don't yet, maybe I just wait. Maybe I just say nothing. I think think we've lost the sense of it's okay to not say anything sometimes. We're in this hurry for everybody to jump in on whatever the dominant topic of that day is. Whatever the issue is for that day, we've all got to make a comment. And maybe the most spiritual thing we could do is pause and just not say anything today. Because we're not sure we have the mind of Christ about that thing. So as we, as we kick off the series, my encouragement to you is this week... Pause. This week, pause and get the mind of Jesus about the circumstances you're in, the relationships you're involved in, the response that you need to make. Just pause. God, give us the the inner discipline to hit pause. God, give Give us the humility to think I may not know everything and be ready to respond. 
Give us the humility to think there are times I'm wrong. And I want to be close to Jesus in the way I respond. I want to be close to Jesus in the way I think about this person, in the way I think about this issue. I want to be close to Jesus. God, let our minds this week not be conformed to everything that's out there, but be transformed by Jesus. We pray it in His name. Amen.